Psalm 73 is an invitation for us to examine the condition of our hearts, which is such a critical thing for us to do in our spiritual journey. Because as someone who professes to follow Jesus, you can say that you love Jesus, but your heart can still be far from him. Uh, you, you can do incredible things for Jesus, but your heart can still be far from him. You can have this outward conformity to the way of Jesus, and yet your heart can still be far from him. So it's so critical to learn this exercise of examining where our hearts are. And before seeing how this psalm helps us do that, I should clarify that when the Bible uses the word heart, it's talking about the core of your inner being. To say that you desire to love God with all of your heart is to say that you want to love God at the deepest part of who you are, the part that, that determines all that you think, all that you feel, all that you do, all that you say. And so the heart is not only the source and seat of our emotions, like often I think we think about it today, but the, the heart in this biblical sense is the source of your identity and the source of, of your life. So the basic flow of Psalm 73 is that it begins with this premise about the ideal condition of our hearts, then moves on to lament the struggle of a divided heart, and then ends with a commitment to reorient our heart toward God. Theologian Walter Brueggemann says that Psalm 73 is the most remarkable and satisfying of all the Psalms because it is this tale of a heart seduced and then healed, a heart isolated and then restored to fellowship. And the opening premise is right there in verse one. Uh, I'm not gonna put scriptures up on the screen, so take out a Bible if you have it there on your phone or, or a physical Bible. You'll see there in verse one is this premise, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Does that second line, God is good to the pure in heart, have uh, resonance with you with another scripture? Can you think of a scripture in the New Testament that talks about being pure in heart? Uh, Jesus' words, right? At the beginning of a Sermon on the Mount in the Beatitudes, he's saying, Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So the people that Jesus describes as pure in heart the same people that Psalm 73 is talking about, those who are pure in heart, are simply people who love God with all their heart and their mind and soul and strength. But it's not people who try to love God and something else. To be pure in heart is not to love God and money or God and social position or God and power or God and knowledge, or God and pleasure, or God and anything. It is to love God with all your heart. The great Danish theologian Soren Kierkegaard, this is for you today as well, Mike, and Soren, of course. Soren Kierkegaard once wrote a book called Purity of Heart is to Will One Thing. And that one thing is simply God himself all of his truth, all of his goodness, all of his beauty. What's interesting is that Kierkegaard was writing during a time when it was fashionable to be Christian, 
during, during this era of Christendom in Europe. And, and I think we live in, in a similar context here in the American South, even though you know, that's slowly changing. But Kierkegaard's challenge into this context, I think is as relevant now as it was then, which is that you can say that you're a Christian. You can look like a Christian. You can smell like a Christian. You can align yourself with the church and yet actually not be close to Christ and, and have a pure heart of love for God. And that's so challenging because even, like unless our hearts are captured by Christ, Kierkegaard called this um, a passionate inwardness toward God. We will not be able to follow Jesus in order to become like Jesus, to live like Jesus, especially the ability to rejoice in the midst of suffering. So if, if a, a pure heart of love for God is our goal, this is the premise of the psalm, the only way to get there is to acknowledge the struggle, which is the gift that Psalm 73 is for us. Uh, we have this goal of being pure in heart in verse 1, but then immediately in verse 2, we have the, well, but as for me, but as for me, my feet keep stumbling. But as for me, my heart hasn't been pure. But as for me, my love has been directed elsewhere. My, my inner being, the core of who I am, has not been captured first and foremost by the Lord God. And as we look at the, the big middle of this psalm, I mean, it could be that your struggle with a divided heart is different than the specific struggles that are named here. Uh, but, I mean, let's be honest. All of us struggle with a divided heart. There are none of us that, we're, that are on this call that do not struggle, battle with divided loves and desires. So uh, Paul names this for us in Romans 7, for example. He says, one part of me delights in God, and his way, and, and there's this other part that desires all these other things um, and, and keeps me in this ongoing battle with, with sin and idolatry. But I love how Paul declares that in, in Romans 7, 24 to 25. He says, what a wretched man am I? Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, I mean, that's, that's the answer right there, right? That, that we need to constantly look to Christ for forgiveness and rescue, while at the same time, what Psalm 73 does for us is that it's also important to continue naming and recognizing the specific struggles of our divided hearts. So what Psalm 73 does is it names envy. And specifically, verse 3 says, I envied the arrogant, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He's talking about people who, who have it all, seemingly, they have it all. Uh, my heart wants what they have, uh, strong and healthy bodies, freedom from burdens, loads of money, lives of luxury, whatever it is, these arrogant people who seem to have it all, I kind of want that. But as, as the psalmist is contemplating that, that this is the reality of his divided heart, he's also recognizing that these people that he's envying are, are arrogant, they're violent, they're cynical, they're self-centered. 
which really only makes his envy more sinister and pointless. And he admits, if you jump all the way down to verse 22, that having this desire to have what people have who have it all makes him like a dumb ox. I like how Eugene Peterson puts that, like a dumb ox in the presence of God, senseless and brutish and ignorant. And I think there's incredible freedom in just admitting that we're a bunch of dumb oxes in the presence of God. That's so often we just, we don't desire God with all of our hearts and there's no reason not to because nothing else would, will fulfill us. Nothing else will, will satisfy our hearts and yet we do it anyway. So just to get really personal, I mean, I wonder, are you willing to admit that? Are you willing to confess before God this morning your divided heart? so that God can set you free. This is, that's where the psalm is going. But you can't rush past this part of saying, yes, I am a dumb ox, and here's how. Here's why. Um, so actually, I just want to give us a couple minutes uh, to sit before God and, and ask him to show you that, uh, to confess before him. I'm just going to play a few minutes of music as we consider um, how God is calling us to confess this morning. fickle my heart and how woozy my eyes I struggle to find any truth in your lies And now my heart stumbles on things I don't know My weakness I feel I must finally show Lend me your hand and we'll conquer them all But lend me your heart and I'll just let you fall Lend me your eyes, I can change what you see But your soul you must keep totally free we will live in these bodies we will die the way you invest your love you invest your life in these bodies we will live in these bodies we will die and where you invest your love you invest your life where you invest your love you invest your life
I hope you're finding freedom even this morning and saying, I invest my love elsewhere. God, forgive me, empower me to invest my love toward you and to give me life. And acknowledging that, acknowledging your divided heart, like the psalmist is encouraging us to do, is not weak. It is the most courageous thing you can do in this journey of following Jesus, to say, here's my divided heart, God. Unify it. Heal it. Redirect it toward you. And it drives us toward dependence on God, which is where this psalm is going. Remember that big, uh, but as for me, in verse 2, shifts from the premise to the lament. We got another big shift down in verse 23. Starts with, nevertheless. Nevertheless, but as for me, in the midst of my divided heart, I am always with you, God. You hold my right hand. It's this intimate picture of God's presence with us, even in the midst of our struggle with the divided heart, even when I have my darkest doubts, even when my heart is divided with envy and with selfishness. God, you're there. You will never let me go. My story is wrapped up in your story, and it's a story that is leading to glory. And I love then how in verse 25, the psalmist declares something that may not be true in the moment, but by declaring it, he calls on God to make it a reality here and now. But there is a power in the declaring, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Purity of heart is to will one thing. Intimate communion with the triune God who gives us life and love. There is power in declaring, God, there will be nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Nothing I desire besides you. Nothing I desire besides you. Nothing I desire besides you. And ultimately, here's the amazing gospel part of this. We can't do that on our own, and God does it for us. It's a gift to us. That purity of heart is God's work. Uh, Look at verse 26. My flesh and my heart may fail. Literally in the original, it's since my heart will fail, okay? Like this is going to be my life. My heart's going to continue to be divided. My heart's going to continue to fail. And yet God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So even when we have this divided heart, it is possible to claim God as the strength of your heart, literally the rock of your heart, a solid foundation for the core of who you are, the one who satisfies you as your portion forever. Then we see the psalm end with these words, those Behold, those who are far from you shall perish and put an end to every, you put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. This may seem a little harsh, but this is the reality in God's story, that those who love God are already in a story of glory and they're going to be taken into glory after death. And those who hate God are already being, they're casting themselves away from God's presence and will be cast away from God's presence. But 
we who love God, we who are struggling toward uh, purity of heart, can make a resolute commitment in God's strength by his spirit. These, these commitments, I have made the Lord, the sovereign Lord, my refuge. I will tell people everything he has done. I will make God the rock of my heart. And as important as it is to make these commitments day after day after day, it is equally important to know that it is God the one, is the one who does the work. That purity of heart comes from God as a gift, as a free gift by faith, a gift that you could never earn in a million years, that God's grace is free. As Paul says in Ephesians 3, it is the Spirit of God who strengthens us in our inner being and who causes Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith. The Spirit of God who strengthens us in our inner being and who causes Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith. So let's make that our prayer this morning together. God, we ask that that may be true of me, true of us, true of Warehouse 242 today and every day, that we would have purity of heart, that Christ, you would dwell in our hearts through faith, fill our hearts with your love. And may your spirit strengthen our inner beings and cause Christ to dwell. Move us to acknowledge our divided hearts. God, make us quick to, to repent, quick to confess, quick to look to you for everything that we need. Um, and give us grace in the midst of that struggle as you do over and over and over again. Give us grace to declare in faith that you will be the rock of our hearts and our portion forever. Amen.